greet. We just say hello, and then the other person just talks. Hey, I was, and we just keep on going. And sometimes I have to listen, like, okay, who am I talking to? Which one of my five sisters is this? Because we all sound the same. But who does your laugh sound like? Does it sound like your mother, your father, your sister, your cousin? I don't know if you've ever heard of people who have made some bold predictions in their life where they said, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that, only to have someone laugh at you and say, man, you're, you're a joke. You're, you're, you ain't going to do that. When Muhammad Ali made the statements, I am the greatest. I flow like a butterfly and sting like a bee. Everybody laughed. When Joe Namath made his fearless prediction of the Super Bowl victory for the Jets back in the 70s, people laughed. When a movie actor from California began his campaign for presidency in the 80s, people laughed. When another foreign actor won for governor of California, people laughed. When a peanut farmer from Plains, Georgia entered the presidential race in 1976, it was a joke. When David stood in front of Goliath with five smooth stones, the Bible says the giant laughed. Everybody's laughing at these big ideas, at these big things that people say they're going to do. Laughing can come because of a practical joke, but it can also become a part of our life when we laugh with cynicism. We laugh with unbelief. And that is what happened here in Genesis 17 and 18. See, Abraham had been hearing about this promised child since he was 70 years old. He's 99 and a half. And he's been hearing about it for almost 25 years. And he's like, yeah, right already. I heard about it. He's almost 100. His wife is 90. It's been a quarter of a century. He was getting just a little, you know, disappointed. Now, I don't know. I was thinking about Abraham and if he lived in today's age. And let's just say the Lord told him at 75 years old, I'm going to make you a father. And I'm going to make your wife a mother. Now, if you were to really believe God's promise, what you would do is you would go to your house and you would begin to paint that extra bedroom. And you'd get it all ready, and you get the crib ready, and you get the little mobile, and you get the bassinet and the stroller. You get everything all matching. And then one year goes by, and two years go by, and three years go by. And after five years, and 10 years, and 15 years, what are you going to do with that room? Leave it like that? You're surely not going to keep the door open. You're going to shut the door because every time you walk past that room, it's only going to be a reminder to you of what has not happened yet in your life, of how the promises of God have not taken place. Every time you pass by that room, the cynicism is going to come up. That unbelief is going to come up. It's been 15 years. It's been 20 years, 24 years, and I'm walking past that room that is decorated for a baby and nothing's happening. And you begin to laugh to yourself like, what a joke. Man, I should be able, I should turn that room into my own guy's room. Turn that into a playroom for me. 
put up a big old flat screen, bring in my little refrigerator, bring, you know, or the girls say, you know what, I'm going to turn that into a sewing room or a book room. You want to turn some, that room into something else because every time you walk past that room, it only reminds you how the promises of God have not yet come to pass. See, people laugh for different reasons. Some will laugh when they get embarrassed. Some will laugh when they're frustrated. Some will laugh just because they're cynical and they go, yeah, right. Others are going to laugh in denial. They're unwilling to face what is really happening. Other people will laugh when they get sarcastic, when they begin to look at each other and they put down each other and then they laugh. The writer of Ecclesiastes says there is a time to weep and there is a time to laugh. And I don't know if it's ever a right time to laugh at God, his words, or his promises. The two people that we're looking at tonight laughed. When God told Abraham that he was going to be a father again, when he was almost 100, he laughed. When he told Sarah, she's 90 years old, you're going to be a mother, she laughed. But when Abraham laughed, he laughed more in frustration because he waited so long for this promise to be fulfilled. He waited for this destiny to happen, and it didn't seem like it was going to happen, so he laughed. And some of us have laughed out of that kind of frustration. I don't know how many of you have ever watched uh, Saturday Night Live. What are you doing up so late on Saturday? <laughs> but... Uh, Several years ago, there used to be a segment that my kids used to like, and it was called The Whiners. I don't know how many of you remember that, but they were called The Whiners. And this was a whiner family. That's what they were called. And they would all sit around the table. And this whiner family, nothing ever went right for them. Everything always went wrong. And how did they deal with it? By whining. They didn't complain, but they had that annoying whine like you know have you ever heard of somebody whine like it just like irritates you and there was there's a little segment on here that from the whiners that's that I don't want to whine because I irritate myself <laughs> when I get to that pitch but the kids are around the table and they're all sitting around and mom I didn't want prunes to dinner and the mom says but I didn't have anything else because your father didn't bring home any money the father goes, well, I didn't bring home any money because you took too much time in the bathroom. You made me late for work, and they fired me. Well, I took too much time in the bathroom because all we ever eat is prunes. <laughs> and round and round and round, all whining about life and its frustrations and what you did and what you did, always pointing the finger. And sometimes we get stuck in that kind of a situation. Maybe we're not whining out loud. But we're laughing on the inside. We're frustrated on the inside. We're frustrated like Abraham, like, yeah, right. When is it going to happen already? When is this promise that was supposed to happen, happen? When is my spouse going to get saved? When is my uh, children, when are they going to serve God wholeheartedly? When is this going to happen? When is that going to happen? And you're waiting and you're waiting and you have a promise that was given to you. And you're still waiting. When is it going to happen? And that frustration begins to build so that when you hear the promises of God or you read it again, you're like, yeah, right. I already had that promise. 
five years ago. Ain't nothing happening. It's all right. And you just kind of go on. When Abraham fell face down in verse 17, the Bible says he laughed. And he says to himself, will a son be born to a man who is 100 years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? Now, I want you to know something, that this is the first time that we read in the Bible about somebody laughing. We never have read about this. Remember, Genesis is the book of firsts. So this is the first time somebody laughs. And it's sad. I think it's sad that this laughter wasn't a laughter because somebody joked with him. It was a laughter of frustration. It was a laughter that really didn't take God into account. It was a laughter of cynicism that just kind of wrote God out that said, yeah, right. I don't know if you've ever been tempted to laugh at God. I don't think anybody has ever literally rolled on the floor with laughter. But I think that we all do laugh at God in another way. We laugh at God when we hear messages about grace and forgiveness and mercy and we ignore them, we go, yeah, right, but you don't know him. You don't know her. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know how they made me feel. And so we never come and ask for forgiveness or do we ever go to them and ask their forgiveness because of how we feel. We laugh at God when we read the promises in the Bible that it says that he's going to care for us like he cares for the lilies of the field, how he cares for the sparrows. And we go all night long worrying about how we're going to do this and how we're going to do that. We laugh at God and we laugh at the promises of God when he keeps us up at night. When we're stressing on our spouse, when we're stressing on our kids, don't ask me for that. We don't have any money. We're laughing at God. And we're saying, it really isn't true. We disregard and ignore the promises of God. And it's no different than what Abraham and Sarah did at laughing at God to his face. Now, Sarah must have known in her heart that her laughter was wrong because she got pretty defensive when God asked the question, why is Sarah laughing? And she said, I didn't laugh. Now, denial is something that we all do as we get older. We all deny that we are as old as we are. In our head, we're 21. And the body is not cooperating with the head. We go into what is called the spirit of denial. We don't want to admit that we just can't all do what we used to do. So we cover up, we hide our head in the sand. We go, I could do that if I wanted to, but I don't want to do it. I, I could run around that whole block right now, but I don't want to do it right now. Can't even get up and walk 10 paces. And we just hope nobody notices that we can't do what we used to do. That's one type of denial. But the denial that I'm talking to you about is spiritual denial. It's a spiritual issue. It's the denial that comes when we fail to trust God. If our laughter is a laughter of denial, then we're going to miss what God really wants to give us. If our laughter is like Sarah's laughter, the laughter of fear, then we're not going to understand what God wants to give us. We're not going to understand the bigger picture. We're only going to be looking at what we want to look at. See, it's one thing to laugh at a shepherd boy who's slinging a sling 
at a big giant. We can laugh and we say, what is that kid going to do? We can laugh at that. We can laugh at the Hollywood politician who's making speeches and campaign promises. It's one thing to laugh at an overconfident boxer, but you don't laugh at the creator and the maintainer of the universe. When God comes to us with a promise or a command, he knows ahead of time how big our faith is. Most of us don't have big faith. Most of us have a little measure of faith. That's why in the Bible, in chapter 17, he says, I'm El Shaddai. I'm the God of the mountains. I'm the God of the things that you think are so big in your life. I can help you overcome that. I can help you overcome those marriage problems. I can help you overcome those parenting problems. I can help you overcome those financial problems. I can help you overcome any problem you got in your life. I'm El Shaddai. I am God Almighty. See, whenever we face a crisis of disbelief, God always comes to us through his word and reminds us, I am Al Shaddai. I am Jehovah Rapha. I am Jehovah Nisi. I am Jehovah uh, Shalom. I, there are so many names that he has. Whatever your need is, he has a characteristic to meet that need. Whenever we face a crisis, he'll remind us that he is there. When we have a financial problem, when we're hungry, he reminds us that he's our provider. When we have physical danger, he reminds us he is our defender and our shield. When we're spiritually hungry, he is our bread and he is our living water. Whatever concern, whatever need we have in our life, God Almighty comes and reassures us that whatever the situation is, he is more than enough to handle it. But do you believe with all the faith that you have, can you believe in those promises? See, faith isn't faith until you can believe in the promises of God. See, Abraham took on his new title. God changed his name from Abram to Abraham. Abraham meant father of many nations. He was calling him a father of many nations when he hadn't even had a kid. He already had given him that title way before Isaac was even born. And God has given each and every one of us a new name and a new title. You have been given the title Christian. Do you know what Christian means? Christian means little Christ. That person sitting next to you who calls himself a Christian is a little Christ. Some of you are going... I don't think so. But I want to let you know that that's what God calls you. He calls you a little Christ. Long before you're completely transformed into Jesus' image, you bear that name of a Christian. You're an adopted child of the king. You are a royal priesthood. You are a chosen generation. You have a title. And it's right here. Even though all your thoughts aren't measuring up to the word of God, even though all your motives are not measuring up to the word of God, even though nothing is going right in your life and sometimes you mess up and you bleep with your words, you're still called a little Christ. You're called to be holy and he's giving you that title. Now when we think of titles, when we think of titles, we think of something that we have to earn. 
We don't call ourselves a doctor unless we've earned a PhD or an MD. We don't call ourselves a, a reverend until we've been ordained and we go through all the tests. You don't get the initials of CEO or CPA or any other letters behind your name unless you've gone to the school and you've earned them. But I want to let you know that that's not how it works in God's kingdom. God's kingdom works totally different. He wants to bless you. He wants to make your name great. He wants to multiply your spiritual gifts. He wants to give you spiritual children. He is preparing for you a place right now. That's what the Bible says, that he is left to prepare us a place, a paradise that is going to last for eternity. But we don't deserve it. But he's still giving us a title. He says, you're a Christian. Act like it. Believe and trust in me. God is calling people what they will become. Not what you are right now, but what you're going to become. That's what he always does. He always says, this is who you are. I know that you struggle. I know that you have hardships. I know that your, your faith isn't always strong. I know that you have marriage problems. I know that you have parent problems. But I still call you victorious. I still call you a victor. I still call you a crowned one. I still call you an overcomer because that's who you are. Have you ever heard of someone who says, well, God doesn't work that way. He would never do that. Well, I want to let you know that God always confounds the foolish in order to have us to change the way we think. See, Moses never thought that he would ever see a bush that didn't burn up. But it got his attention and it drew him to God. When Jesus came out on the water at night, in the middle of the night during a storm, the disciples said, it's a ghost. They had never seen a man walk on water, but that led to the great miracle of Peter walking on the water. When Jesus told Peter to go catch a fish, open its mouth and get the coin out of its mouth, you can imagine that Peter probably thought, something's weird about this. Why am I supposed to go catch a fish and open its mouth? But each of the things that have been asked of these people changed the way they looked at God. Change the way that they thought. Because sometimes we think God only works one way. God will only function one way. He won't do it any other way. I'm here to tell you that God works in so many diverse ways. He'll work in a way that you think you have him boxed up. He'll say, oh, really? He'll laugh at us and say, I can move any way I want to. I can do whatever I want to. I'll do whatever I want to bring you closer to me. Even if it means calamity, even if it means pain, even if it means suffering, even if it means dilemma, I want to grab you and I want you close to me. Even when you think you're not going to be able to get out of it, this financial crisis, this emotional crisis, this relational crisis, I want you close to me. And what seems overwhelming for you is nothing but a meatball for me. But I want you close to me. See, God used every single time to enforce the principle that God's ways are not our ways. And whenever we try to predict that God is going to act a certain way or he's going to do things a certain way, he says, oh, really? And he changes it up on us. Just when we think we haven't figured out, he says, oh, really? And he laughs. Like, Oh, my. Have you ever, as a parent, laughed at your kid and go, what is wrong with you? What, what are you thinking? You're thinking that I don't know you? You're thinking I don't see you? 
I, I laugh at my little dog, you know, because I'll put a little biscuit out there and I'll, and I'll pretend that I'm not watching and I'm watching him out of the corner of my eye and he comes sneaking up and then he grabs it and he runs and I'm, I'm looking at him like, what, you didn't think I saw you? You don't think I know what you're doing? And that's exactly what God does. God looks at us and goes, I know exactly what you're doing. I know what you're thinking. But I still have a promise for you. My promise is I don't care what you're going through. My promises have not left you. I don't care what you've done. My promises have not left you. They're still there. They're beyond repentance. And what that means is that I don't care what you do. I don't care how far you go away. God's promises will never, ever, ever come back and say, no, I took it back. God is not an Indian giver. God is not an Indian. He promised Abraham he was going to be a father of many nations. And Abraham lied. He disobeyed. He had no faith. And God says, you know what? I don't take back my promises. I promised it to you. I'm going to give it to you. I'm still going to give it to you. Even though you messed up. Even though you lost faith in me. Even though you looked the other way. Even though you try to figure things out on your own. Even though you try to put things in through manipulation. I'm still going to bless you. And that's what you have to know today, that it doesn't matter. Now, does that give you a license to go out and say, hey, man, you know what? I can do whatever I want. Be careful abusing the grace of God. Be careful of abusing the grace of God. You cannot go out and deliberately sin and say, you know what? God will forgive me. That's a sin against the Holy Spirit. You cannot deliberately sin against the Holy Spirit and expect God's grace to cover it. But I'll let you know this, that when God gives you a promise, it's yours. It's yours. He doesn't take it back. God is in the business of changing the way we think from our personal experiences to God experiences. And I want you to know that God's not finished with us. We have to let God be God in our life. We have to let God be God. Stop laughing at the promises of God. Stop laughing at the, at the future of what God has for you. Stop looking in frustration. Stop staying awake at night with anxiety. I think staying awake at night with anxiety is wrong for a person who says, I'm a Christian. Because then that means that you're not applying God's word to your life. When he says he's going to take care of you, he says, cast your burden upon me because I care for you. When he says, bring everything to me, while all prayer and supplication, and I will give you the peace that passes all understanding. If you are worried and stressed out about this economy, if you are worried or stressed out about your children, you are worried or stressed out about your job, you're worried or stressed out about your, your home, whatever it is, if you're worried or stressed out, then you're laughing at the promises of God in your life. Don't laugh because God will ask you, just like he asked Sarah, why are you laughing? What are you going to do? I'm not laughing. Yeah, you are. He'll front you off quick. Ever been fronted off? God will front you off. He'll say, you were laughing. You were laughing. I want to let you know something. God told Abraham I'm going to give you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. Do you know what the word Isaac means? Laughter. Laughter. 
When Isaac was born, Abraham and Sarah laughed. Every time they saw him, every morning they woke up, he brought laughter to themselves to say, how dumb was I to not believe God? To laugh at themselves at not trusting in God. To laugh at themselves because they took their eyes off of him and they tried to fix things their own way. Every day of their life, they had to say, they didn't call, you know, when, when we call people names, we call them by, by, their really, by their real names, like, you know, Chuck or Lenny or Adam. But they used to call them by what their name meant. Every day they had to say, laughter, come here. Laughter, come on. Because that's what it meant. Laughter, Yishak. Abraham was 100 years old when his son, Laughter, was born to him. And what do Abraham and Sarah say? God has brought laughter into our lives. And the reason that that happens is because God will accomplish his purpose. God will bring the joy when you feel none. God will bring that laughter in your life when you feel your laughter is gone. Some of you have been laughing with cynicism at the promises of God. Some of you are looking at your gas tank and you're laughing with cynicism. Oh, yeah, okay, God, I thought you were going to meet my need. Some of you, are, today is the first, and you don't have all your rent money, and you're laughing, and you're saying, okay, God, come on, what are you going to do? Today, God is saying, I laugh last. I laugh the best. I already know the plan I have for you. I know the plan to save your un unsaved loved ones. I know the plan to meet your need. I know that plan. Don't laugh at the promises of God. Don't laugh at his commands. God will come through. He will come through. Stand with me tonight. And as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I can tell you there's been many times in my own life when I have laughed at God. Laughed at him because I took my eyes off of his promises. Every time I walk into this sanctuary, I have to go back to his promises and tell him, God, you said, you said. I'm not laughing at his promises. I'm trusting in his promises. But for some of you, you're still growing in your faith, and it's been difficult, and it's been hard. And you're looking at your circumstances. You're looking at your unsaved loved ones. You're looking at your job. You're looking at relationships. And you're like, I don't know. God, I don't know. You're saying forgive. Yeah, right. You're saying you're going to meet this need. Yeah, right. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. And God says, take my promise. Take my promise. I'm going to come through. And if... Any promise that God has made you, if it hasn't come to pass yet, and you need to have that restoration of faith to trust him that it's going to happen, then I want to pray with you. I want to push with you. I want to believe with you.
that God is going to bring it to pass. And I'm going to open up the altars for you to come tonight. And draw me close to you. Lord, never let me go. 